He shoots, he draws is sponsored by the Westcott Rapid Box Switch. Isn't it time you made the switch? Do it today at www.fjwestcott.com backslash switch. Hi, I'm Dave Cross. You're listening to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast. Welcome to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography and design, with your hosts, Glenn Dewis and Dave Clayton. Hello and welcome back to another episode of He Shoots, He Draws with me, Dave Clayton, and him, Glenn Dewis. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. I'm trying not to laugh there because I was thinking, no, I can't stop him while he's in a good flow. No, I am. Don't stop me tonight. <laughs> Don't stop me now. I'm having right. such a good time. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, we're, we're back. Uh, we've got another great guest this week and we've been very blessed with guests. I have to say we've got some good friends in the industry and kind of continuing on from our sort of education theme recently. We've spoken to a few instructors and this week is no different. Uh, we spoke to a good friend of ours. Yes, this week our guest is Dave Cross and Dave is somebody that we've both learned from pretty much from the day we first started out in this industry, I'm guessing, because Dave is somebody that we were first made aware of through the NAPP, the National Association of Photoshop Professionals, which later then became Kelby One. Dave has then since moved off from there and he set up his own training site, but we've still remained very good friends and we still get to yep. see Dave at conferences when we're over in America. So, uh, yeah, learned a heck of a lot for Dave. And I think it's fair to say, I don't think I'd be sat here now talking to you, mate, or have my business had it not been for Dave sharing, as he has done for the God knows how many years. Absolutely. If you go to a conference, I mean, you see Dave Cross is on the speaker list. You know that conference is going to be good. And you know if you go and sit in a Dave Cross class, you are certainly going to come away learning something. Absolutely. And it's been yeah. like that since day one, since I first saw Dave's books, his, you know, Photoshop user TV, on the stuff he did on, on Nap and Kelby One. He's just been influential, for, I think, for a lot of people, including ourselves, like you said. What, what I like about Dave is the fact that he's, he's been around the whole education side of the industry. And pretty much like Bert Monroy, he was kind of getting involved in Photoshop when it first started out. But he's been involved in the education side of things now for, I think he's had 28 years when we're chatting yeah. to him, which says a lot to be around it for that long. But one thing he did say was about his actual training site is that he actually closed the membership of his training site because he didn't want to kind of leave the floodgates floodgates open for people to, to be joining, yeah. that he couldn't then provide them the quality that he wanted to. And that, to me, says a lot that he is... He's kind of like a, a great example of somebody who's involved in this industry and the education side of it for the for the right reasons. Exactly, I was going to say the right reasons. He doesn't overpromise and underdeliver. It's quite the opposite. He's he knows what he has to deliver. He keeps up with the times, you know. And he said he he used Photoshop from from one. Yeah. And and now when you look at the difference from where he started and where he is today, and he still continues to push out, you know. He, he knows everything that's going on. And, and yep. today, just today, I was I saw a, a video he put and I sat and watched it. It was only about 10 minutes. Oh, was that the woman to do with the shift key and yeah, how you, and, you, and sometimes you use it without... We've got a shape. You do use yeah. it if you've got a... Yeah, absolutely brilliant little video. And that's the thing about Dave. He knows all the stuff under the hood as well. So he doesn't just teach you it. You learn why. Yeah. Why things happen a certain way, which is obviously the best way to educate. But Yeah, uh, so it's a great interview this week. So, you know, we've... Um, We've known Dave for a while. We knew what we were going to get from him. And, and even then, he still teaches us while he's talking. There's still yeah. things he, I, I picked up on. So um, before we go into our usual start, I just want to say thanks to our sponsors, uh, Westcott. They are sponsoring this week's show. The person who is not sponsoring this week's show is Bart van der Veel. 
<laughs> now many of you will think what the hell are you talking about we saw bart at adobe max and i promised i'd give him a shout out and i've learned a lot from bart he's a great indesign guy but uh bart i didn't forget this one's for so, you bart this one's for you buddy <laughs> <laughs> so uh glenn do you want to kick it off as usual yeah let's go with the usual dave who are you <laughs> well the simple answer to that is in one form or another for the last 28 years I've been teaching Photoshop. So I've made my living, like I said, one way or another from the very early days of Photoshop, teaching classes, doing seminars, writing books, etc. So I'm basically a pretty much a lifetime Photoshop educator that tries to help people get better at Photoshop. And that's the end of the interview. So thanks, Dave. Next week we've got... <laughs> well, okay. So that's a pretty good summary there. Obviously, there's loads of stuff that we want to ask you. We've known each other for a number of years now. In fact, uh, we will talk about the fact, I'm sure, that you were, I would probably guess, one of the very first people I learned from when I first started out, so I want to talk about that. Yeah, but same here. as we've said to a few people when we've been doing these kind of interviews, we kind of know you, we're friends, but we don't really know you. Right. So there's you saying you've been doing <laughs> Photoshop training for 28 years. Who was Dave Cross uh, BP, as Mr. White calls it, before, before Photoshop? Photoshop. <laughs> so... Uh, I went when I went to college. My degree was in education, although I originally was going to be a phys ed teacher was my goal. So I I did the and the the degree at McGill is quite interesting because it's it really is an education degree with a minor in the sports side. So you still learn all the educational principles. And I thought I wanted to be a phys ed teacher until my first like twelve week uh, like on site you know job training thing and all these little kids were running around tugging on my <laughs> pants and I was like nope don't think I want to do this after all so I kind of switched gears and thought well something to do with sports like the administration of sports so I ended up uh, getting a job working for the Canadian Volleyball Association as kind of a an intern and did everything including uh, publishing their newsletter which back then was pre-computer so it was like typesetting and layout yeah. boards and letter set and all that kind of stuff so oh, I learned the good old days I learned the good old days just enough to think wow this is crazy so when the first Macintosh came along and I saw what it did I was like wow this is crazy and by coincidence the fellow who had been the executive director of the Canadian Volleyball Association saw the potential, so he went and started an Apple dealer when there were still, in Canada at least, independent Apple dealers. And basically, I uh, went and saw him. He lent me a Macintosh for a weekend, and I did the same newsletter that I used to take weeks to do in like a day without any knowledge of anything. So I was like, wow, that's incredible. And he saw my enthusiasm. He said, you should come work for me. And I was like, I don't know anything about computers. He said, you don't have to. You clearly have a passion for this technology and what it can do for people. So I did. And then I started, he needed someone to teach a course on PageMaker. So I, my very first course was on PageMaker 1 in like 1987, I think. Yeah. And uh, right away just saw how much I enjoyed the idea of standing in front of a room of people and watching the light bulb turn on, you know, when they uh, learn something that would help them. Yeah, especially for a piece of technology that was... Yeah, you know, only seen on Star Trek or the future. <laughs> exactly. So, but when I just want to go back to when you first got the Mac, Dave. So obviously, you you walk into his office and there's a computer in there. There's a Macintosh in there. Was was PageMaker the software that they had that you started on, which is why 
you, you progressed into that or because when we spoke to Bert, Bert was talking about when the first Macs came out, there were different kinds of software that ended up becoming something we know right. about today. So you had the same, even though we're, I think we're pretty much the same age, early 50s. Ish. Ish. Yeah. Um, but we both started desktop publishing. Right. That, that was and, and, my entry. And, to, and for to me, it was because I had a specific need where I was at that point publishing my own newsletter for people in the sports administration field. I used to like to say it was an international uh, publication yeah. because I had 12 <laughs> subscribers and one of them was in Italy. Um, but <laughs> I was doing it by hand. And this guy said, hey, you should do it on a Macintosh. So he gave me like a one hour lesson on everything from starting it up. And it this was the days of literally a... a Macintosh with one disk drive so you had yeah. to like use one disk to start the computer and then when you want to use PageMaker you'd sit there for 10 minutes swapping disks back and forth so I was laying out my newsletter on this little whatever it was nine inch screen but yeah. right away I was oh, still like wow. even with no knowledge it's still I was able to do it in no time at all so fast forward to like three months later I started working for him and now I'm teaching people to use PageMaker the program I just learned myself but at least I knew like that much more than they did um, so, you know, it, right away I was just like, this is really cool that someone like me who really isn't very technical can understand it because it is a Macintosh and I don't have to learn DOS and all that kind of stuff, which back then was the uh, alternative. Um, you know, people who did typesetting had to be coders because that's the way typesetting worked. But with the Macintosh, um, I still somewhere, I should find this and send it to you guys, I still have somewhere a copy of the very first newsletter I did on my Macintosh. Oh, and I think wow. I used every font possible <laughs> just because I could. <laughs> and every double line and, you know, thing just because, oh, look at this, I can do that. Every and effect, was... yeah. That, so- that sounds like the example that you give. I'm going to have to say, how do I refer to you now? Because we've got two Daves here. You've both got this surname beginning with C. Mr. Clayton, yes. that sounds like the one that you show in that class that you do talking about how you started do you remember oh. that really bad example of a newsletter yeah, kind of? Yeah, I made a newsletter that was just basically saying to people, you, you might say you're not a designer, but you are because you know good from bad. And I made this awful, god-awful poster <laughs> that, that was in Microsoft Word, and all I used was Word art, every font, misspell, bad grammar. <laughs> Do you know what? It took me longer to make that in make Word than it would have to make a good one in InDesign. <laughs> well, what's sad is my, my example was actually real. It wasn't a contrived one, so... Um, and I, I think I think on the bottom of it actually said created using PageMaker one and Word one point zero five just because I was so proud of the fact that I had mastered PageMaker <laughs> enough to to learn how to do it. Wow. <laughs> All right, so so there you are. Then you're using PageMaker. Within three months, you're now teaching people. Right. So kind of kind of bring us through then. Bring us through the stages that have kind of got you to the stage when you are then doing it Photoshop. Was, I became like I was sort of it was a small company, so I was did some sales, but I also was kind of part of the training team. And then this brand new thing called Adobe Illustrator came out and we were like, wait, you don't have to use these big fat squares anymore, like in, in Mac Paint. So we had went to I always remember this, we went to a trade show and we're demonstrating the latest technology. And for three days, I basically showed how to trace a bitmapped apple using the pen tool and illustrator. So I was like an expert. If you ask me to draw an apple, anything else, not so much, but that <laughs> apple, I was like, I had down pat. Um, so I used illustrator right from the first version. And then of course, Photoshop followed along from that. So I've been lucky enough that all the software that I use and teach, I've quite literally used since day one and just kind of kept going from there. I left the Apple dealer, 
uh, for a while had my own business in Canada where I was doing training and at an early enough stage where first people were like, wait, you're going to make your entire business just teaching this brand new desktop publishing stuff. And luckily, my timing was very good because a lot of people were suddenly wanting it. And I was one of the few people available in my area. Uh, And in fact, I was one of the first Adobe certified instructors when that was a new thing. And when I was, I was one of only four in all of Canada. So for a while, I mean, I would literally get calls from like the West Coast and I was living on the East Coast. So I started that journey of literally traveling the country, teaching Photoshop. And then I kind of progressed into working with a seminar company in the U.S. So I would do Photoshop seminars in different cities. And somewhere along the way, I saw this new magazine called Photoshop User Magazine. And in it was, you know, the, the masthead where it said this fellow Scott Kelby. So I called him not realizing that one does not call Scott Kelby cold. (laughs) And the weirdest part was he answered his phone, which, of course, today would probably never happen. And we chatted, and he was like, well, you know, we're always looking for instructors, so send me a videotape of yourself teaching. So I happened to have one that I had done when you become an Adobe certified instructor, at least back then. Part of it was you had to submit a video of yourself teaching, So I had that, and just for giggles, on the end of it, I threw in a little snippet of my barbershop quartet singing just because I figured, you know, why not? And I only found out years later, because Scott told the story many times, that of all the years where people said, how do I become an instructor with you? And he said, send me a video. I was the only one that ever did. For years and years, a lot of people would go, yeah, 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 I'll send you a video, but then just wouldn't do it because it was either too hard or they didn't like it. So... According to Scott, you know, they put in my videotape into the into the VHR VHS machine, and we're like, hmm, maybe we should give this guy a shot. So I taught. He asked me to come and teach one class at Photoshop World in 2001, and it was funny because I remember again this very vivid memories of him calling me and saying, you know, would you be interested? And I was like, why yes. And of course, inside I was going woo and like going crazy but I was trying to be very professional like that would be excellent Scott thank you so much but I was like screaming and my wife was looking at me like what is happening here so I went and did one class and was very lucky to have um, a moderator who Scott whose opinion Scott uh, you know was very interested in hearing uh, Lisa Snyder and she basically apparently gushed about my training because in retrospect so here's this new guy from Canada no one's heard of, and I only taught one class, and the other people teaching at the same time as me were Scott, Ben Wilmore, and Jack Davis. So oh, the wow. fact that anyone came to my class at all was kind of a, a miracle considering. <laughs> so anyway, that led to you know another Photoshop world, and then right around that time, an instructor who had been doing uh, the seminar tour with Scott unfortunately got very, very ill, so they called me and said, is there any way you could kind of pinch hit? So I did, and did the seminar tour from Canada, you know, traveling around for about a year, and then all of a sudden they called me and said, what do you think about moving to Florida to work here full-time? And at first I was like, yeah, that's not going to happen. And then (laughs) the more we talked about it, I was like, well, you know, why the heck not? So moved to Florida to work for the Kelby organization, did that for about uh, eight years, I guess, about almost nine years, and then left to return to the entrepreneurial life, which I've been doing since then. So were you the, were you the first 
because I remember, and same for Glenn, when we first started and we discovered Kelby One and the Photoshop User Magazine, you were the Photoshop guys. And I said, right. I used to watch Photoshop User TV <laughs> like like people watch The Walking Dead. It was, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't wait for the next one. It was the thing to watch. You, you did right. that. There was obviously Layers TV. Were you the first Photoshop guy other than Scott? I mean, who was yes. already there? What what were you joining at that time? What what did Nap look the, like? The, the reason that they wanted someone else was Scott literally was the only content guy other than, you know, contract instructors for Photoshop World. But for the day-to-day stuff like the magazine, et cetera, he was the only one. So they decided they needed another in-house content guy. So I did that. I was probably there for... I would say a couple of years maybe, and then we decided it was getting busy enough to find someone else. So I suggested Matt because I'd run into him and a few things. So Matt Kluskowski joined the team, and that's when... So here's the funny story a lot of people don't know. The predecessor to Photoshop TV was actually Photoshop Radio. I remember it. Which is really funny to think of three guys sitting in an office going, (laughs) so imagine you're looking at the layers panel, and (laughs) here we are talking about the world's most visual program, and we're like just gesturing like and then you draw a flower and but you know that and then one day i said hey do you know there's a new, there's this new thing with podcasts where you can actually include video so a week later we we basically wasn't it in duck- the back of a mini or something you, well you no that was later on car. but the very first right. one was actually in scott's office because he had a monitor on his wall so scott matt and i jammed into his office and they had like joining offices so the camera was actually in the middle of his wife's office and uh, with none of us knowing what we were doing, we basically recorded the first episode of Photoshop User TV and basically never missed a week until we decided they decided it was time to wrap it up and go with something else. I just, I'm just picturing Photoshop Radio. They've got a Foley uh, artist. <laughs> like, let's just open the panel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That Preston, did, you never, did you never hear that, Dave? The old no, no, radio? I didn't know about really? Photoshop. Yeah, I'll have to... Uh... I, I remember you kind of like, if I remember rightly, you were all stood up and it was like a small round table that you were yes. kind of leaning on. That's right, yeah. Yeah, that was, that. The, that was the first episode of Photoshop TV, but in the early days, we just, the Photoshop radio was in my office because I happened to be the one that said, well, I, I have two mics and we've found a third one so i don't think actually we did i think we just shared two mics between three people and just talked about photoshop and that's the beginning (laughs) trying to teach photoshop without having any visual that kind of reminds me i remember when i was a kid i used nothing to do with photoshop i remember i used to be really into uh snooker uh, uh-huh. billiards and I remember I, we only had a black and white TV and I'm watching the <laughs> snooker with my mom and then this famous uh, snooker player Terry Griffiths took a shot and he goes always oh, sink the red there he's putting it for the blue and for those of you watching in black and white that's the one next to the brown <laughs> it's like oh, what <laughs> but, hey, there you go but um, I, I kind of, as we're kind of getting up to up to speed there, then with how you've gone through that particular transition from being this guy who was thrust into this computer world, um, and now into the Photoshop side of things, I just want before I forget to say this, I just want to say a big thanks, and I think I have said this to you before, but uh, wholeheartedly, I know I would not be sat here talking to you if you hadn't done a specific video. When you used to do these videos, I think it was actually when you were with Kelby, you used yeah. to do these videos once a week when you'd review certain things. And just this one particular week, you picked, uh, I mean, we might have talked about this. You yeah, it was the one, a Zacharias DVD. thing, wasn't it? Zacharias's One Light DVD. And because you were the guy that, you know, like Dave, uh, my 
you know, co-host, we used to watch you and loads of other people. It was you, you were the people that we kind of listened to. You said this was good and it was like, okay, well, I've got to get it then. If Dave says it's good, I'm going to get it. So I know that if you hadn't done that video, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. So Cool. And I could I could think there'd, there'd be many, many people that would have the same kind of stories if you hadn't done a certain thing that they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. Right. Now. I think, I think yeah. that's the, the, the thing with, with this whole education thing, when you're looking back to how we all learn and, you know, right, Glyn's the baby in the room, but... um you were very instrumental in i mean at least for me because i know people say when you're in a bubble you only know the people that you know but the only thing i found on the internet back then was nap and at that time you guys were were rock stars you were the photoshop rock stars so being part of that world did you did you ever feel that responsibility that you you suddenly realized you've got i think at one point like seventy thousand members you've now got to be on top of every version of Photoshop, you've got to know every tip and trick. There's no question that that feeling of, of there certainly was the responsibility. And also the flip side of that is I felt that I wanted to, to, I've always been a very honest person. So I told Adobe from the very first meeting, if you bring out an up, update to Photoshop that's got some stuff in it that's no good, I'm going to tell people. I'm not going to yeah. sit here and go, oh, you should upgrade because it's fantastic. I'm going to call you out because that's what people expect of us. And by the same token, we would have companies saying, hey, would you uh, promote this on your show? And we're like, not if it's not any good, we won't. You know, like (laughs) send us something and we'll take a look. And if we think it's something worth mentioning, but not like, you know, frankly, even had people saying, we'll give you some, you know, kind of compensation. We're like, no, thank you, because that's, you know, takes away the the validity of what you're saying if someone realizes, well, that they're being paid to say this. So, you know, mm-hmm. over the years, that was a, a, something I, I took uh, very seriously that I didn't, I knew people were relying on me for things. So I would try not to do frivolous tutorials that were pointless that no one would care about, but also to keep that honesty of always giving my opinion based on what I really felt, not what the message that some people might want to be heard. That that is really good to hear because I know that speaking how I do my run my own kind of business is that you do occasionally get to stages where companies are saying to you, "Oh, would you look at using this, or could we write something for you? Would you uh, have this product?" And you do see it quite a lot. I, I'm, I'm not going to obviously wouldn't say names, wouldn't dream of saying names, but sometimes you can see certain people out there that will they'll one week they'll be saying they're using one product because it's the best thing since sliced bread, and then a week later. I now use this product because it's amazing and I do this. And I, and the following week after that, oh, now I use this. And it's clearly doing it purely because they're being, their pockets are being lined with cash. And something I've always kind of worked hard on is just building up that kind of trust mm-hmm. because there are so many people, especially nowadays, so many people out there setting up businesses very quickly in this whole industry. Um, I think one of the things that we all need to – probably build on more than anything is is the trust side of things really isn't it mm-hmm. having that kind of credibility and unfortunately i think to some degree maybe not as much in our specific industry but just think about instagram for a second and the fact that there are these so-called influencers that are getting paid ridiculous mm-hmm. amounts of money to hold up a tube of toothpaste you know because yeah. their their million followers are going to go ooh, if if they use that i should too and to me that's i mean i guess it's good for them that they're making so much money but it's kind of sad that people are that influenced that just because they happen to be a so-called celebrity that, Mm. you know, they're going to sway your buying habits. Um, You know, over the years, I've had many people say, well, what what monitor would you recommend? 
as an example. And I'm very quick to say I don't because, frankly, I'm not a hardware guy. You know, I yeah. use the iMac and it comes with a monitor. If I had to buy another monitor, I'd have no idea what to do. I mean, I know of some company names that I would say you might want to consider these because of their reputation, but I'm certainly not going to recommend something unless I've had personal experience with it. Yeah, and some things like Wacom, you know, they they are they're the the tablet, and every tablet tries to be like a Wacom, but it's always well until you bring me something that's better than that tool that I use. They've kind of got that market in the same way we all use Photoshop. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there are other products, but they all try and be Photoshop. So stick with the constant, stick with the one. Or me personally, I you know, I work in, in the software industry and we, we, have, we work with Illustrator and we're making plugins for Illustrator and people saying, oh, why don't you make plugins for this or plugins for this or plugins for this? It's like, but if you go for a job at a studio, what, what do you think that professional design studio is going to use? They're going to use the best tools for the industry. Mm-hmm. So... From an education point of view, you kind of, well, I'll do Photoshop tutorials more than I'm ever going to do GIMP tutorials. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I've always said Photoshop world sounds a lot more healthier than GIMP world. GIMP world. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not as much now, but years ago when I'd work with organizations and go and teach them uh, Photoshop and maybe Illustrator and InDesign, they'd say, could you also teach us Excel and Word? And I'm like, uh... Well, let me put it this way. It would be a 10-minute class, and it would basically yeah. be, here's how you open. You know, I guess, I mean, I, I use those products, but not enough to teach them. And I would tell people, because I guess they were implying, we like your teaching style, so teach us other stuff. And I'm just like, I'm not going to, you know, suddenly say, oh, give me three weeks, and I can, uh, you know, I can teach it because I'm a good mm. teacher. No, I, to me, it also comes down to real-world experience using the product, too, not yeah. just yeah. spending a bit of time you know, learning enough, just enough to teach it. Dave, as somebody who's been involved in their, their whole working life, and I'll say on the education side of things, you would have been using Photoshop, I'm guessing then from what you said, from version one, is that correct? Yep, I taught my first okay. class uh, three weeks after it came out. Wow. wow. Okay, so here we are then, years later. We're now on Photoshop CC 2019. It's just been released when we were out at uh, Adobe Max a few days ago now. So in those years that Photoshop has developed, we've gone for all the new additions. I mean, layers being probably the biggest thing initially that was brought into it. We've then got when the updates come, which was roughly every 18 months, to now having the Creative Cloud when they can be done pretty much any day of the week now. As an educator, how have, has, that, has that growth of Photoshop helped or hindered having a business in education? To me, the biggest challenge has been, well, a couple of things. First of all, what I'm finding is there's still a percentage of people that are just have just decided, I'm not going to do the Creative Cloud no matter what you tell me. So I'm going to stick with CS6. Uh, so there's, you know, when I'm doing a tutorial, it's all in the back of my mind. I know that some of the members on my training site, they're going to say, can I do this in CS6? So I've kind of made a blank but statement to say, you know, there there's, I might do the odd tutorial that I'll say this is still applicable to you so that is a challenge but then not only that I mean especially now with this latest update is imagine now I'm going to teach a tutorial and say so now I'll press undo three times in a row unless you're on any other version other than CC 2019 where you'd have to press this instead or hold down the shift key well no you don't have to hold down. well you actually you do have to hold I mean thank you very much for that so you know uh, that that is a challenge I also um, 
found that I'm, I'm glad I'm in the world of doing online and live things than, than doing a lot of writing because, as you well know, as an author, I mean, especially now, you can be writing a book and then by the time you're almost finished, they release a new update and it's like, oh, now i got to rewrite that section, you know. Yeah, as, so. as happened. Yeah. I've had that happen with the Select and Mask and Refine Edge. Yep. I did, did a book and it was literally just gotten a week later they actually did release the Select and Mask. I'm like, oh, man. I had to message Scott Cowling last night and say, uh, Scott, I, I've written a lot of content for for the book, but I need to go back and do all the screenshots because CC 2019 is out now and I've all my screenshots are 2018. So I've got to re, redo a load of screenshots because at least it will come out before the next version. Right. <laughs> but kind of three months after, after the book, the next version will be out, but at least it will be 2019. I hadn't even realised it until I got back and thought, Oh, man, I can't. <laughs> I mean, the positive side is they continue to innovate because I think many people, I remember when Creative Cloud was first announced as this is now the only way you'll get your software, there was this school of thought, well, what's going to make Adobe innovate anymore if they've got our money every month? And I always felt that's just in their DNA is to be innovating. And, and sure enough, that's been the case. It's like, they, you know, now their motivation, I think, is to, in order to keep people as Creative Cloud members, they need to keep bringing out new features that are going to yeah. help people. So, so at least from that perspective, there's going to be always something new to teach to someone. It's just more the the challenge of dealing with the whole multi-version thing. I always wonder whether, is Photoshop keeping up with technology or is it technology has to keep up with software? Because hardware is getting so well, much that's faster. That's deep. Yes. I was going to say, I, I don't, I'm, I'm just, my mind is blown. That was like the deepest thing I've ever heard Dave Clayton say. It's like that should be on a T-shirt or something. But it is, they're kind, of, they're kind of competing with each other because it gets to the point where, well, actually, what, what is feeding what? Because oh, I've, I've gone all deep myself. <laughs> Let's just there, take a moment. There is, no, there is no question, though, that there is one thing that you've definitely hit, which I think is very true, and that is, there are probably been things that Adobe's been wanting to do for years, but haven't been able to yeah. because the hardware doesn't support it. And now that's kind of where I was going. Just yeah. just the fact that there have announced there's going to be a Photoshop on an iPad. I mean, we never yeah. would have dreamt of that when the iPad first came out because it just there was no way you could do that. So you wait till you know, it's on the, the Apple Watch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already bringing out a whole line of magnifying glasses for the. Uh, uh, Photoshop for the Apple Watch. <laughs> I, I'm kind of, I said to uh, I was, when I was chatting to Dave on our previous episode, I was kind of saying that I'm I'm fifty fifty about the mobile side of things, and I think that's probably because I've moved over to more on the photography and the retouching side as opposed to doing like the composites and stuff like that. Because I just don't I, would I want to sit and edit a picture while I'm mobile. I feel like mobile is there for speed because like you told the story about Matt trying to get the picture from his camera to his son it feels like the mo mobile is there is because there's that generation of people who want everything now and and, and something will come on to about youtube is this whole thing of everything's got to be done in a minute it's got to be quick i've got to be able to do it now and get it out because if i don't do it now it's old it's gone it's past so that's so feels... my my reaction too was and this is just obviously me personally but when i travel when i'm on a plane 
I ha- have my laptop with me. My laptop is very far, not, never far from my side. Yeah. So given a choice, would I rather use an iPad or just pull up my laptop and work on that where I know I have the full version, all my fonts, everything else? I mean, I, I get it, you know, the whole, but you could be sitting in a park while you sketch. I'm like, yeah, for those people that do that. Um, so, you know, I, I'll, I'm, I'll certainly be interested to see how it goes. And, and I think... You're right, Dave. Is a lot of it's that whole mentality of I do everything on my phone or my mobile device, so why wouldn't I also want to do Photoshop? And and I get that. Um, and as someone pointed out when I was debating about this, they kind of looked at me and said, "Let's just say you're not really Adobe's demographic these days." I'm like, "Fair enough." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things about your education, Dave, that I wanted to ask you is obviously when you left. Uh, Kelby one that you'd had a you know a good few years there under your belt um, and you decided to go into your own business and run your own Dave Cross workshop oh, is it Dave Cross workshops first yeah mm-hmm. what what made you decide to go down the route of okay I'm going to create my own training platform and have people come to me than do what everyone seems to be doing at the moment which was a comment that we have said on the previous episode that we talked about at Max is back in the day people never liked sharing it was all very much keep it to yourself whereas today we're in a world where people are competing to to overshare so you didn't you haven't really gone down that YouTube route of I'm just going to keep churning out free content you've gone down the route of I'm going to create great content and have people come to me and and I will walk them through that. So what I mean what was your thinking behind that? Is it because of your background? Well, I think I think to a large degree and I also felt that so when I when I first left Kelby I also opened a a, a physical facility that was a uh, combination kind of a photo studio and what I envisioned being a workshop space but I think I was a little late to the game because that was right at the start where people are like their minds were shifting to why would I want to pay this amount to come and sit in a classroom where I could sit at home in my underwear and do it for free on YouTube? And that was, you know, right at that point. So um, I felt that it's that same old thing about, you know, you give something away for free. Does that mean its value is free, is zero? Um, so, you know, I, I did stuff on YouTube. I have some things that are, you know, have decent amount of viewership. But I guess, and, and I probably am, am hurting myself by thinking this way, but it drives me absolutely crazy when I do look and I see, oh, here's a tutorial on something in Photoshop has 1.6 million views and I start to watch it and I can't get past the first 10 seconds because they give terrible instructions and yet it has 1.7 million views. I'm like, what is with that? I've heard once that they use a screen reader. I've watched one where they oh, actually <laughs> oh yeah yeah, yeah. It's a screen yeah. read and and, and it's now just it's, a, it's this monotone now, uh, yeah. robotic voice <laughs> and it's still got like five hundred thousand views and uh, I, I was listening to a podcast the other day and uh, not to go off track but the guy was talking about network television and saying that if you look at these YouTube stars now these self-made YouTube stars they were saying that the the content they create that is online gets more views than network television so you think all that whole production value and they get but if you had 20 people in your class that sat and learned something and looked at you and said dave thank you you've changed my life i think i'd feel better about that than just seeing a thousand people watch my video you know and that's and that's for me has always been a big motivator i mean i i obviously we all want to make a living but there's nothing quite like 
And that's why no matter what happens, I'm always going to do live events in one form or another because like Adobe Max, a guy came up as soon as my class ended and said, you've just changed my life. You know, your discussion of smart objects and the way that's going to save me so much time. This whole conference was worth it just for what you told me today. It, that, it doesn't get better than that. It does doesn't. It? And I mean, you can get, you know, ooh, my video now has 20,000 views. Okay. Does that mean people watch the whole thing or they watch the first seven minutes and went, eh, you know. So, Do you know, I'm so glad that we've brought up this topic of YouTube because, I mean, you, you both know that I, I guess up until fairly recently, Dave Clayton, um, I was doing videos on a fairly regular basis for YouTube, but I've made the decision now to pull away from that. And what I'm going to be doing in the future is still producing videos, but more a case of live streaming as opposed to maybe a Photoshop tutorial. And also I want to start showing more behind the scenes. The Photoshop tutorials that I do, I'm 10 now, I'm thinking of kind of pushing them out more to the people who have uh, subscribed and are members of my email group. Um, and I, th I, I feel quite comfortable with that decision because it actually started to feel to me I was... Um, I was a slave to YouTube. That's what it felt like. I felt like I was a slave. I'd lost that excitement for it. And I started to kind of almost get, come out of myself and look at what was going on on YouTube. And I just saw it as a, it was almost like a competition. Mm. Who could share the most, the quickest? Like you said earlier on, Dave, um, and just, just loads and loads of content coming out. I thought, do you know what? I just don't want to be part of this. So my YouTube kind of um, feelings have changed now, whereas I will be sharing stuff occasionally, but my main focus is on my newsletter group, and those folks will be getting videos that I record rather mm -hmm. than be sitting at home day after day recording videos and putting them up for free, and that's the right. decision I've made. And, and you know, I, I chose to make a paid membership feature uh, because I felt there were going to be enough people out there that would be willing to spend some money to not have to endlessly search through YouTube and hope they got an answer that was actually correct. Because mm. let's face it, there are people who do videos on YouTube that some of whom we know that are very good and, mm. and are giving correct information. But I've also seen many where it's just some person who's decided they're going to try to, you know, do some tutorials and their main goal is to get people to view so they get the click-throughs, etc. And if their instructions aren't exactly correct, then oh well. You know, mm. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've had occasions where I've searched on YouTube for instructional video when I'm trying to install a thermostat or something, but and hope that the person knows what they're talking about. And how do you know? But when it comes, do you know, to do you know a, the last time? The last time I looked for a YouTube tutorial was when we were all at the last Photoshop World that we were all at in this year, 2018. And I was we were in the I was in the instructor's room. I'm at my table, and my class was in about an hour's time. And I'm sat there on YouTube, and Matt, Matt Klaskowski, comes behind me and says, are you looking at your own videos? I was like, yeah, I'm trying to remember how I did this. <laughs> I, got, I can't lie, I've done that, where I'm trying to remember a technique, and I look up and go, oh, yeah, thanks, Dave, for telling me how I did it. <laughs> I'm glad I recorded that. <laughs> and I've also oh, had times where I thought, I want to see what, how someone else would do this, and I'll do a search for a tutorial, and the number one result is mine. And I'm like, okay, well... I guess I'll just go with that then. <laughs> cool. Well, I'll tell you what, let's have a little bit of a, a break. Yeah. And let's dive into that segment that we introduced a few episodes back, Dave, which is called Getting to Know You. Mm -mm. Getting to know you, getting to know all about you. All right. So... We have 10 statements or words to say to you, Dave, and we just want to get your first 
thoughts that come into your head. All right. Gotcha. Now I don't need to. I don't need to say to you keep it clean because, like I just said to you off air, then <laughs> I've never heard you swear in all the time. I've I only been in this I only industry. curse when I'm watching sports and, and my team <laughs> isn't doing well. <laughs> all right. Cool. Well, well, okay. So we know this is going to be kept clean, but we're going to go through ten of them as quick as we can. Me and Dave will take it in turns. So we'll just start a timer now. And the first word, Canada. Awesome. Second is Photoshop. Uh, creative possibilities. Okay. Select and mask or refine edge. Select and mask knowing that you can go back to refine edge if all else fails. <laughs> okay. The next one. Something we've never seen you in. Denim jeans. <laughs> <laughs> I have one pair somewhere in the back of my closet. <laughs> okay. Education. Uh, extremely important. Being a grandparent. Best friggin' thing in the world. <laughs> I don't know if this is relevant to you. I'm sure it is. Lightroom Classic or Lightroom CC? Uh, Lightroom on the web. <laughs> <laughs> on an iPad. On my okay. on Apple Watch. The next one, this is quite random. It hasn't really come up in the past week. The shift key. <laughs> now very confusing. Okay. Florida. Extremely humid, but still a pretty nice place to be. Okay, the last one. I think I know the answer to this. Barbershop chorus or a Photoshop conference? Oof, that's a really tough one. It depends on what's happening. For example, this week, Photoshop, uh, the sorry, the Photo Plus Expo in New York is on, which I normally would go to. But my barbershop quartet has a contest this weekend to qualify for our international contest. So that was a no-brainer. So if it's something really, really, really important, barbershop wins. Cool. Okay, Thank let's you. stop the timer. That was good. That was good. I like that. All right. And so as soon as Dave kind of asked then about the barbershop quartet. A lot of people won't know this. Yeah. yeah. Tell <laughs> us about this. Yeah. So 20-something years, but probably 25 years ago, I was... Uh, an entrepreneur in Canada and was getting completely stressed out about everything and thought I need a hobby and my soccer playing days were long since gone because of knee surgery and so I started just thinking about things and back in college I had a, a girlfriend who was actually in the opera program and one time we were just fooling around and we were singing by the piano she says you got, you got a pretty good voice you should you should sing somewhere so that kind of planted a seed and I to make a long story short found a a barbershop chorus that had advertised, you know, looking for members. So I went and tried it heavy. I don't, I, I still today don't read music, but I was able to just kind of do it. And they, they, one of the things that typically will do at a, when an, a newbie like me came is they'll grab three guys and just kind of stand almost like a little square and have the new guy basically sing one note and then everyone else kind of harmonizes around you. And it's it's so cool to hear this amazing harmony going on. And I was hooked and uh, have done it ever since. And one of the very cool things is my son does it with me. He sings in the same chorus as me. He has for the last, like, I think he's on about 13 years now. And he's really into it. By the, He's the same way. Like, if it comes down to a decision about something or barbershop barbershop usually wins and uh it's a it's a hobby slash passion i mean we we i sing in a quartet we rehearse every week without fail unless like something like adobe max comes up um and uh you know just we go into contests to be judged and try and do our best and 
Our, my quartet called Easy Street is currently the reigning silver medalist in the International Senior Quartet Competition. Ooh. So Dave, Ooh. if Mike has one more son and you give it 15, 16 years, yeah, yeah. you will have <laughs> the Cross Barbershop Quartet. That's exactly. I'll be in a with a walker and yeah. a wheelchair. But uh. <laughs> One thing you said there that is completely un-Photoshop related, which was something that... Uh, something we shared that i thought was quite cool is being canadian you got to play the proper football being yes. soccer and mm-hmm. and i've seen the <laughs> photographs of you playing and uh, uh, a lot of people wouldn't know that when um the photography show or prior to photography show focus they've actually came over one year and you're working for on one and i took dave to see my favorite team QPR. <laughs> QPR, and, I remember. Yeah, yeah David Marley comes against Crystal Palace. And the funniest thing was, was I, I, I wish I could have told Dave that I'd arranged this, but bizarrely, the, the Crystal Palace fans had this chant that came from nowhere. I'd never heard it before. And they started off singing really loudly. And they were going, da 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 which is a pig bag tune. But they were going, starting loud, da-da-da-da, Noise reduction, da 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 da. Noise reduction, da da. da. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, it's like, and you're like, it's it. a Photoshop song yeah, at the song, it, they... at the football match. <laughs> but it was quite cool that that they've came over and and got to experience that. I like, I always like to give people a little bit of a. a, a yeah, that was cool because I mean, I as a long term, long time soccer, as we would call it here, player and fan. I mean, I. I well, I, I did actually live in England for three years when I was a kid. So, but young enough just to kind of be aware of it. And uh, but as soon as I came back to North America, I was like, "Wow, the Premier League is just the you know thing to watch." So, yeah. Where, whereabouts in the UK were you, Dave? Um, actually, lived in a very small town called Hale Barnes, which was in Cheshire. So, closest big city would have been Manchester. Um, yeah, yeah. Or Altrincham was a sort of a mid-sized yeah. town near us. So, my dad's company moved him there and they we knew going that it was a basically a three-year assignment so we just went there for three years which was really funny because as young kids my two sisters and I none of us wanted to go and once we moved there none of us wanted to come back yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> and I have still, you been, have you been back since um well other than what Dave was just talking about that visit um Manchester when we, I mean we, yeah when we first uh moved back which would have been in like the mm, uh late mid 70s i guess uh we went back as a family a few years later mostly to because we could visit our you know friends from uh there but since then i really haven't been but uh i can still uh, after after all these years if i really needed to i could not you know wouldn't probably pass muster with you guys but i can still talk a little bit like i've been from england because uh it's not too bad to be able to think about the things i used to say when i was there and when i moved back people still thought i was from england even though i was from canada that was pretty I think good. A round of applause. There. I yeah. think you covered every English accent in one. Then I got a little, a little Australian at the end. I think. Yeah. <laughs> right, I'm a shrimp on the barbie. But yeah. Um, yeah, the other thing, unrelated thing, I wanted to thank you for, which I don't think I ever did, but I've mentioned it a couple of times. Was uh, my first Photoshop world was in 2010, and uh, I came out to Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I and I, I had no idea what to expect. I just knew I was going to be a very small fish in a very big pond. And uh, I remember going to the meetup, the first meetup they had the night before. 
and I went out and I met Teresa Jackson. It was just me and her standing at a table and we were talking, I think with some business cards on there, we were chatting. And she was the first person I spoke to. And then like gradually more people came in. There was a lot going on. And I remember you walked in and with Stephanie and mm-hmm. you came over and you kind of just sort of made a beeline and I started talking to you. And you were the first Photoshop guy that I ever spoke to. And the fact that you afforded me the time, the cool thing was, was the tweet up, the, the meetup actually finished. And the only people left standing outside were me and Dave and I think like two other people. The, the, mm-hmm. the room, and you spent all that time talking to me, which I really appreciated. Because yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that it, was it fun. Was a, it was a, you know, a big event. Well, one, of, one of the things that I appreciate you saying that, but one of the things that, that you know, a kind of a dose of reality uh, when we were at Photoshop World, you know, Scott, Matt, and I would walk around and people would come up and be like, oh my gosh, you know, the Photoshop guys and get your <laughs> picture taken and everything else. And then I'd walk outside the convention center and I was just another guy waiting in line for my yeah. McDonald's, you know. So <laughs> it's kind of like famous in a small, very small circle, but not so much yeah. when, you're in the, when you're in the real world, which yeah. is kind of like, ironically, now with the barbershop world, people who are medalists in our barbershop singing world are very well known and are like celebrities but again the same thing they walk outside and they're just like mm. joe blow who nobody's ever heard of before. yeah mm. uh, okay so then one thing that we do with everybody and i haven't pre-warned you about this dave i know that <laughs> um but it's we call it loves and loathes uh and basically it's to find out and it's all always done with a positive spin all right but it's a case of number one is what do you love about the industry, what you do, and anything at all that you you know that you immediately think of. Yeah, what I love is this, and then we're going to sort of find out what you we call it loathe, but it can be what would what don't you like, what would you change, whatever. So let's start off. What do you love about just this industry? What you do? We've kind of touched on it before, but for me, it it comes down to that feeling. Like I I stopped reading evaluation forms a long time ago. Because I just felt like you just never know who's going to write things. So I kind of self-evaluate like that, that session felt like it went really well or I that video felt good or whatever. But it's that feeling when someone I've had times over the years where people have come up to me literally with tears in their eyes being so emotional about what they just learned. And I mean, as you said before, Glenn, you, you can't beat that. I mean, that's just the best thing in the world. So it's great to be able to travel it's great to be able to you know make a decent income but that's what it comes down to for me is the fact that i know i'm reaching people and helping them and that's to me that's the best part of it all for sure and as a secondary thing i also love the fact that people like yourselves and others that i don't see that often but every time we do it's just like old home week you know yeah you sort of pick up where you left off and you know that that's a pretty cool thing to have uh, instructor buddies and you know that kind of thing yeah, that definitely. just just kind of it's just like you're could be a year but it's yeah. just like again no one comments about change of hair color they just you know have pick up the conversation <laughs> where it went oh, the, the luxury of having a change of hair color <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly having hair at all <laughs> i'm only saying that because i know he thought it i can tell by the way he's looking at the screen then <laughs> all right okay so moving on then so to loathe and it doesn't it's not like i say it's not a loathe i really hate this it's a case of what don't you like what would you change what's the first thing that comes um, to mind I mean, probably the first thing is, again, we've already talked about is that whole, I get a little frustrated when I see, like on YouTube, for example, where um, I do a tutorial on, let's just pick an example, how to create a brush. 
and it's got like over the you know last few years it's got like I don't know maybe 30,000 views and then I look at another one that has 1.8 million views and it has just wrong instructions or like unnecessary steps yeah. and that drives me crazy that all these people are going okay cool that's the way you do it and I'm like no it's not but mm-hmm. I mean you can't obviously reach all those people who've watched it and said this is a better way and even if you you know name your video uh the the proper way to make a brush you won't believe what happens next or yeah. whatever it is uh, <laughs> in one minute you know, and, and so that's that's always been a frustration for me as i i have i'm a big believer in certain ways of doing things and and building yourself up for success in photoshop by for example working non-destructively and then i see people do a tutorial and they're like yeah just erase this and delete that and i'm like oh mm. yeah <laughs> drives me back I, I well that's one thing i always remember about you when you were doing the um the Photoshop user TV and stuff like that is that you were kind of known as the guy that was that had that almost perfect workflow that did allow that non-destructive right. stuff, and you're also the one take guy, if I remember <laughs> rightly. It's kind of Dave yes. just did it off the bat, and that was That's it. Pretty much it. Now, so you were probably aware of this, but uh, this one of my favorite Scott Kelby stories is that Scott has has this habit of creating nicknames for people. And, and once they're there, they pretty much stick. So for anyone new, it was always this like mixture of delight and fear as to what your nickname was going to be, you know, <laughs> because some of them, frankly, were kind of not not the greatest uh, or not one you'd be you know wanting to to brag about. And um, one time on Photoshop TV, and to be honest, there were plenty of times where whoever was doing the tutorial, the other two guys were not paying attention because they were just getting ready for their tutorial. But on, I did something with smart objects, and Scott happened to watch, and he looked over and he said, Dave, you're like the smart object whisperer. And I was like, I will take that nickname. Thank you very much. <laughs> As opposed to the times he'd say, Dave Cross, stealing American jobs yeah, for years. Every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know you've mentioned about um, the problem nowadays with if you're an author and the fact that you have to be you know, really on top of things because Photoshop can change literally, as we've said already, like literally week to week, it can have new enhancements and what have you. But I remember one book that you did, which I thought was just brilliant. And I was actually looking for it again on uh, Amazon tonight, the Photoshop help desk. Um, And I know you've kind of said, oh, I know, writing now. Is there any way you could do something similar? Because I remember that was just brilliant, that was. I That was my, well, I, I've, I think I have a total of seven books if you include a couple of co-authored ones. But that was the one that was the most fun to write, frankly, because it was a combination of from my early days working at NAP, I actually kept a FileMaker database of questions that people had just so that if it came up again, I would be able to look it up. So when it came to the idea of writing the book, I already had quite a few questions. But then it was also a matter of just sitting down and brainstorming going, what else might people ask about a particular topic? So just kind of thinking of possible questions and coming up with answers. Um, so, you know, I'm always open to any possibility, and that would certainly be one of them because um, although, funnily enough, I had originally um, the very first book deal I'd signed was with a company. The book was already written, which through <laughs> it threw them for a loop because normally you know you sit down with a book company and say I have this idea for a book so I met this guy at I think my second Photoshop world and I said I have this idea for a book it's like the Photoshop Q and A book and he was like oh that's interesting 
wh- how would how would it you know what be what would it make up like what would it look like and I kind of went this and I handed him a binder with a printout of the book that was already written and he was like this has never happened to me before that someone actually <laughs> didn't give me a proposal <laughs> they handed me the book but it turned out that through various things they felt like it wasn't the, the the direction they wanted to go but so again the material was already there but I think that idea of being your own help desk is something a lot of people can you know uh, could use because obviously as you know there's always going to be issues that are just weird and who knows the answer but a lot of the time it's like oh that's because you have something selected and you shouldn't or you know you're on the wrong layer or something that just if you start to to build up that uh, knowledge base of kind of the most common issues in Photoshop, then I always talk about in my classes going through a checklist. So when you're going to do something, you go kind of check things and make sure your tool settings are correct and kind of slow down a bit because we have a tendency to jump in and do stuff. And sometimes as a result, you spend more time undoing than actually doing. Speaking about, I I was, sorry, I, I was going charity shops looking for old books. And the other day, there'd obviously been a delivery. Someone had, had let go some of their books off the shelf of photoshop and photography and they're about five or six and i found one and i got it out <laughs> and i took a picture and i messaged dave and said <laughs> I remember look that. what i just found it was called photoshop finishing touches by I dave cross uh and i i i think joe mcnally's the the click the moment it clicks was oh, the morning well. clicks yeah yeah and I, so i took a picture of it and showed dave and dave's like i'd forgotten about that <laughs> I said, I couldn't believe people were actually going to pay money for that. <laughs> yeah. That was, that <laughs> was written now in 2006 or something. <laughs> so what what's next then for Dave Cross? Because obviously I know you've got your training um, site now. Which you can right. tell us but about. Did, didn't, you, didn't, you cl- yeah, didn't you close membership on that? Do you want to tell us about yeah, that? Yeah, so basically um, it's a monthly membership. Well, there's monthly or annual plans, so but most people choose the monthly uh, plan. And in that, you, it's basically I call the all-access membership that gets you access to everything. And what I was finding was, as it was growing, it was a challenge to keep up with everything, like creating content, because I had new content every week. Uh, So we decided to kind of close enrollment for a while, just so we could really focus on the site itself and making sure our members were happy and everything else. So, which is kind of a weird strategy when you're thinking about, like, I'm going to close it so no one else can give me money, but it's kind of the idea is to, to help again, really focus on the content side of things, which we've been doing now. That was at the end of August. So um, since then, I've added more courses and, I've, you know, like I said, I add new content every week. So what we're going to do is probably two or three times a year is open it up again and say, if you want to join, now's the time, but not keep it open all the time just yeah. because we're, it's basically just me. And now my wife, Marlene, helps me as well with kind of the, um, we gave her the title uh, uh, Director of member success so that's her <laughs> official title so she deals with with us a lot of the administrative stuff but it's still it's just a lot when there's just the two of us so um like i said basically every every week we add new content either short tutorials i do live q a sessions twice a month so members can log in and ask their questions live and uh you know get get the answer they need so i i'm trying to make it clear i don't try to hide the fact that it's just me you know i'm not trying to make it sound like i'm some big corporation it's just me so when you send an email it's either my wife or me that reads the email and it's not like a big staff of you know so that when you send in a question about how to do this in in photoshop 
it's me that reads it. So I'm like, oh, that's a good question. I should do tutorial based on that. So that's. But Dave, people love that, though, don't they? The fact that they do get that, or like you said, all access. They are mm-hmm. getting access to you, the person that they've right. signed up for. Because I find that with with like the newsletter that I do, and I send out, or I call it my email group, when I send out an email and I get replies. And then I reply to them. I always get people going, oh, <laughs> it's actually you. I, I, yeah. yeah, it's actually you. It's not a robot or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. But that, 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 what you're doing there is, from what you've talked about already, that's sticking to your values as an educator, isn't it? Right. Like, yeah. It could be very easy just to keep that membership, let them stream in, just keep getting people signing up. But here you are saying, no, I'm closing it because I want to concentrate on making this as good as it possibly can be for the members. That just goes back to the whole kind of – ethos behind your education side of things wanting to do the best with people and it shows that you're doing it for the right reasons well and i'd like to think so i thank you for saying that because for me it was it would like you said it would have been easy to just say okay let's do some you know big facebook advertising campaign and try and quadruple our membership and and certainly i'm not adverse to having more and more members but in a controlled way that no one suddenly feels like they're being left behind or no one's paying attention to them or they're just a number you know, I mean, sure, I'd be thrilled if I could one day say I had 80,000 members, but I'm just as happy to have a much smaller number that are happy. And I must say, and hopefully this also speaks to that philosophy, our turnover rate is extremely small. Like I've I've sat in on how to run a membership site courses, and they're like, you should expect this kind of churn and this kind of, you know, people not renewing. And I'm like, oh, Okay, mine is way lower than that, and they're like, really? "Oh, do you mean do you mean the re- the retention rate the retention, of members? Yeah, you retention mean. rate. Right. So okay. they're saying that you know, just in general, a membership based thing, you should expect, and I don't know, I can't remember. Let's say it's like thirty five percent from month to month of people not continuing to be a member, and I'm like, for me, it's like four percent, mm-hmm. and they're like, "What? <laughs> How is that possible?" I'm like, "Well, I guess it's you know, if you treat your members well and make them." happy and and occasionally as a, I like to say surprise and delight them with something they don't expect then yeah, yeah. and this is the other thing i've you know i i'm part of a group where uh, for people who run membership sites and the whole facebook group the discussion is about filling the funnel and lead magnets and oh. sales and marketing i'm like what about your content like shouldn't yeah. that be kind of really important too <laughs> is creating great content that people yeah, learn yeah, yeah. from and not just worry about where's my next big pile of dollars coming in from but unfortunately online training is becoming that big thing where everyone wants to do it and you know I've even I've even I've even seen uh organizations where they're like a platform for people who want to be an online trainer and they actually say right on their website anyone can teach and I'm like, well, well that's probably, probably true, but doesn't mean they can teach it well. Mm. <laughs> and also, you know. They can teach also that not... process of teaching other people how to teach other people how to teach other people. <laughs> right. And and just, you know, then put a Facebook ad that says, you too can make $100,000 being an online instructor. I'm like, well, yeah, maybe. But no, Dave, um, for me, content you, comes first. You can make six figures. They never say the 100. Yeah, you exactly. can make six figures. Right. So, or I've I've helped countless companies to make X yes. amounts of money. Why don't you list but some I've of those gone companies twice? <laughs> and my question is, if you really have, then why do you feel compelled to need to share it with the rest of us? If you're that busy helping other people, then 
I guess yeah. you have more time in your life than I do. But anyway, so I, that's, I remember, that's I kind talking of my approach. To, um, I remember talking to Joel Grimes about this whole online training thing because he, he was over in the UK and I was sort of driving him around and I took him back to the airport. And while we're waiting for his aircraft, we're talking about he was he was just at the stage when he was about to set up that Joel Grimes Academy that he now mm-hmm. runs, the photography side of things. And we were kind of talking about the fact that how there are so many, like you've just said, so many people now setting up online training. And his kind of attitude was, do you know what? I'm really not bothered. He said, I don't care how many there are out there. He says, if you're doing it for the right reasons and you're giving the best you possibly can, you will be around a lot longer than they will. Right. And yeah, and like, that's yeah, that's that's you know my approach. I've I've had my site for a little over four years, and the number growth has been slow but steady, mostly because for the first few years I was really doing umpteen things at once. It's only been in the last like six months that I've kind of said, okay, I really need to, this is where my passion lies is helping people this way. And also still being able to do things like Photoshop World, Adobe Max or whoever, like, you know, that wants me to speak in person, because like I said before, I still, that's a, to me, a very important part. I also initially had a conversation um, while I was at Max with a fellow who has a podcast aimed at people who want to be online instructors and he said, what advice would you give to people who want to teach online? I said, this is going to sound really strange, but my first advice is go teach in person first. Yeah. Because teaching to a camera or speaking into a microphone without having had the benefit of teaching that same information to actual humans that are looking at you and giving feedback and nodding their head or conversely looking terribly confused is so valuable. I don't think I'd be in anywhere near a successful teaching online if I didn't have the background of mm. doing all the in-person training that I have over the years. Yeah, and I think you've hit the nail on the head then. This is something me and Glenn have spoken about. And I know without going into too much detail, it was a big piece of conversation for us three last week is there is a big difference between being a teacher and being a trickster. There are mm-hmm. people who teach and there are people who show tricks. And and uh, being, you know, you are a voice of authority. If I like today, I saw a video came up uh, where you were talking about the updates in Photoshop and I shared it on LinkedIn because I knew that every piece of information you were going to give came from good background. You'd researched it, you'd gone through, you tested it, you understood what was happening, you delivered a helpful video and that was worth sharing. Whereas you can go on YouTube and see this is broken, that doesn't work, this is wrong, and it's mm-hmm. all like, do it in a minute, clickbait titles. Right. To me, that's not teaching anybody. That's yeah. But Dave, this, this goes back to what Jason Levine said in a, an interview we did a couple of weeks back, where Jason, as we know, principal worldwide evangelist with Adobe, he, he basically said that his way of doing stuff on YouTube is not just to show how to do something he'll also go you know here's a quick show here's a quick technique for you he then wants to say like this is why it works this is how that happens Mm -hmm. so you are not just showing but you're also educating so people can then take that knowledge and then well if that does that maybe it would do this as well right exactly and i've always thought it was it was kind of funny to me that funny slash frustrating where i'd look at some tutorials that had you know pretty decent views and it was like how to make an exploding planet and i'm like Yes, because I do that almost every day in my work. Like, yeah. seriously, could you come up with something a little more practical than, you know, because <laughs> some of the effects is like how to do this, how to do that. I'm like, okay, but frankly, who cares? And like the class that I taught at Max, <laughs> I warned people, I said, this is going to be the least sexy class you've ever seen, but it's so important. 
because I talk about things like making presets and making custom keyboard shortcuts and things that you can use every single day. And it wasn't like no one in the class was like, ooh, that's really cool. It was like, oh, that, yeah, okay. And to me, that's part of it too, is teach the things that people can actually benefit from, not just some cool effect that people will look and go, wow, I'll never actually use that, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I cool. I did see a picture today that I, I won't say what it was because it might give away who did it, but there was a picture where it was like, oh, look, I've composited this person into this, into this image. And had the person been in that situation, they would have been dead in a second. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you after what it was. <laughs> but um, anyway. We, uh, yeah, I've, I've seen some of those. <laughs> So what is the website for your training, even though it's closed at the moment? Where can people go and find out more about you for that? It's uh, learningphotoshop.cc. Okay. It's the easy easy to remember URL because I do have another one that's more complicated, but that's the easier one. And where um, are you day to day? Um, pretty much there. <laughs> I mean, I have a <laughs> dcross.com, but frankly, I haven't. I can't remember the last time anything updated on there, so I'm really bad about that. I'm probably more active on Facebook. Uh, Facebook. My Facebook is PS Guy Dave Cross. So I do a lot on there. Twitter at Dave Cross. Instagram. Good question. I think it's Dave Cross. I don't know. <laughs> and just for those listening, this is not Dave Cross the actor. Yes. <laughs> this is Dave Cross the Photoshop guy. Well, Way he, more important. He tends to go by David Cross, yeah. which I used to, but uh, um, it still happens. Last week I was on Twitter and there was some person that they were like, Hey, at Dave Cross, you're a bleep. Your comedy was bleep, and I bleep you. And I'm like, okay, I think you've got the wrong guy. Because even though I try to be amusing in my in my live events, I hope you aren't thinking it's me. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> well, let me teach you about a smart object. No. <laughs> well, cool. Yep. I think uh, I think we've we've kept you long enough. You need to get back to your lovely wife. <laughs> so uh, I think we'll kind of give, call this wrap up. But before we go, I, again, I just want to say, like I did at the start, thanks. Yes. For, thanks for even getting into education, Dave, because I wouldn't have a business if it wasn't for you awesome. and others that we know. Same, so same here. Thanks huge thanks for me. And my wife, she will thank you as well if she was here. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. That makes That's another example of why why we do what we do when you hear that kind of feedback. Yeah, that's great. No, thanks, Dave. Cool. My pleasure. We shall see you, hopefully, very soon. You bet. Okay, quick clap. <clears throat> One, two, three. Oh, get in there. Yeah. Yeah. We always do that, you know, there's always that noise when we do that. I say, get in there. And it's always like, yeah. Yeah. Satisfying <laughs> clap. <laughs> there's nothing satisfying about clap. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I know. Just, no, of no. course. Yeah, Just, you yeah. heard it from a friend. <laughs> <laughs>